Welcome to The Sages Among Us, everyone. The Sages Among Us focuses on people who are civically engaged and actively participating in the development of their community. I'm your host for tonight, Brian Buckley, and tonight we're going to get the inside story of just such a citizen leader as The Sages Among Us typically focuses on. Daryl Grigsby is a retired public works director, an author, a theologian, and a frequent contributor to the Union newspaper. He served on many boards, including an appointment by the governor of the state of Washington to the Washington Transportation Improvement Board, and is currently the board president of Color Me Human. He has called Nevada County home since 2019 and has quickly become part of local efforts to educate and advocate for an equitable world. Daryl, welcome to the Sages Among Us. Well, thank you, Brian. It's uh, it's a pleasure to have you with us. and. I uh, had the chance to look over your resume before our show, and it's uh, clear that you've been in many places and have done many things over the years. Let's uh, let's go back to the beginning, uh, back in time a bit, and tell us where you started life and what childhood was like for you. Well, thank you, uh, Brian, and thanks for the invitation to be on the show. Yes, I, I um, grew up in Washington, D.C., uh, right in, the, in northeast D.C., uh, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Um, and, you know, I didn't appreciate it at the time uh, as a young person, but in looking back on it, um, it was a really um, pivotal time and a place to grow up in because at the time, Washington, D.C. was about 70% African-American, and the schools that I went to from kindergarten through 12th grade were uh, all black schools. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of pride um, that was instilled in us as students by the teachers. And in fact, um, often we were told that in order to make it in America, in this world, that we had to be twice as good, um, just mm-hmm. to be seen as equal. And so that was, you know, that message was actually a good inspiration. And there was also a lot of music and culture that surrounded my growing up. So it was, um, I feel fortunate to have grown up. In that in that environment, you know, I, I I would guess that the answer to this is is no, but you know the fact that the federal government and the the seat of power in America is right there, does that really is that a factor at all when you grow up and live there, or that's just sort of a another world? Well, it's good. <laughs> it's funny you ask that, man, because. Um, you know, there's two aspects to it. One is uh, almost everybody in my family worked for the federal government. So to that extent, mm-hmm. it's in a major employer. But on another mm-hmm. level, it almost does seem like something totally separate from the neighborhoods that people are growing up in. Because, in fact, you know, at the time I grew up, the people in Washington, D.C. couldn't even vote uh, because it wasn't a state. And we didn't have a, a mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the irony is you're in the middle of the the nation's capital, when people can't even vote at the time. Right. Yeah, and I, I suppose in, in some ways, all the uh, the office holders there, you know, they, they, they'd be sort of like tourists. <laughs> they're, they're not the yeah. real residents there, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Right. And the, other, the yeah. other thing I'll say quickly is, you know, and you, don't, you know, as kids, you don't appreciate things, man, but um, when I was in elementary school and junior high, our big thing was, 
oh my God, another trip to the Capitol. Oh no. (laughs) 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 Right. Right. Well, you know, uh, moving on, on from there, you, you graduated with a uh, BA in history from Chicago state university. And shortly after that, you uh, were in San Diego. How did, how did both those moves come about? Well, I wanted to go. I went to college in Chicago because I did want to get out. Of, I love D.C., but I, I also wanted to experience another part of the of the country in a bigger city, um, which Chicago State offered. And then when I was a senior, um, my father died at age 44, and my mother mm-hmm. um, decided to kind of start her life over again. So she moved from uh, Washington, D.C. to San Diego. And I was the oldest okay. son, and right after I graduated, I worked six months, and then I moved to San Diego to be with my mother. Okay. So, yeah, almost a, a, a familial obligation, a responsibility as the eldest son. Yeah, definitely. Interesting. Definitely. Okay. Well, you know, over that whole time span, looking back on your childhood and early adulthood, were there any watershed events that, you know, looking back from your your present perspective, um, turned out to be deeply influential in the direction your life took since then? Uh, yeah, I'd say there were probably three, and I can say them quickly. The first one is, you know, when I was 17 in Washington, D.C., uh, I went to a Christian camp, a Young Life camp, and I didn't have much ex- much exposure to church as a teenager, but at that retreat, at that camp out, um, I took, I made a commitment to become a Christian. Um, so that was a, that was a major change because it just connected me with, with, uh, lots of people who were concerned about things more than just themselves. Um, mm-hmm. and then I would say the second, uh, watershed event was, uh, getting married and having children because, you know, that expands <laughs> your world when you, when you're, when you, uh, are in a, a marriage and you have kids because, then suddenly it's not just yourself, but it's yourself and another person and then future generations. And then mm-hmm. the, I would say the third thing is when I was 26, I got I, I got involved with some um, people in San Diego who, um, and looking back, some would say they were socialists and or Marxists. However, their commitment to trying to build a just community and society was pretty amazing. And so that was that was really influential because that was the first time the ideas that the, that the things that are created by humans on the earth can be shared for the benefit of all. And so that's been a, that was a major um, shift in my thinking for sure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, I, I want to thank you for being, I think the first person who ever answered, you know, a, a watershed event question with three different ones, and you did it all very quickly, um, but they were all definitely watershed events. So, so great answer. Thanks for that. Um, sure. You know, you know, moving moving along. When after you got to Sacramento, uh, I understand that you worked with developmentally developmentally disabled adults for a while, and uh, not too long after that, you you switched and began working for a municipality. In this case, city of San Diego. And uh, you really began what uh, became a multi-decade career working in one capacity or another for different cities. I think that included San Diego and Seattle, Kirkland, Washington, Pomona, California, and San Luis Obispo. Um, Over that long time span and all the different uh, positions you held, 
What were some of the things that stand out to you during, you know, such a prolonged period of working for the public, but obviously through city government? Well, thanks for that question. And, you know, man, now that I'm retired and looking back on my career, which was 42 years, I really feel fortunate because, um, you know, working for local government, you really are engaged in the economic vitality and the um, the safety and health and progress of that community. And in public works, you know, we were responsible for basic infrastructure like parks and streets and bridges and bike trails and sidewalks and things of mm-hmm. that nature, things, things that really do add both to economic vitality and quality of life. And so the, the thing that struck me most was that the thing, the projects that we built uh, really do make a difference. I mean, I can go back to cities that I worked in and look at projects that people are using every day. They don't think about who built them. Um, right. But it is it is for their safety and for their health and welfare. And, and the, the other thing I'll just say quickly is just to, I mean, city employees and government employees, you know, sometimes they've given a bad rap about not being productive or whatever, but that's, that is so far from the truth. It's not even funny. I mean, the people that I work with in all those cities were completely and thoroughly dedicated uh, for the common good of that city, um, mm-hmm. no matter what happened. In, in adverse weather, in emergency situations, there, we could always count on our people to come through. Yeah, and you know, it, it seems to me that the Public Works Department, I mean, literally and figuratively, uh, no pun intended, but it's, it's where the rubber beats the road. It, it's where, you know, the government services that people just expect and don't even necessarily, as you mentioned, uh, pay that close attention to. But it's, you know, you, you definitely know when something goes wrong um, in the Public Works Department. That's right. And in fact, if Public Works is in the news, it generally is not a good thing. Right. To your, to your point about it being better un, uh, unnoticed. Right, right, right. Well, you know, along along the way in your career, uh, have there been any individuals, uh, mentors perhaps, who've helped or influenced you in a substantial way? And, and maybe not even in career, just in your life. Well, you know, the, the, I was thinking about um, that concept just the other day, and I, ha- I would have... I would have to say for sure my um, my mother um, because she uh, she died three years ago but I mean she was a person who um, for her friends and family and were, were were most important and being happy was most important but even more than that I mean she never said anything negative about anyone uh, it was always mm-hmm. accentuating the positive and so that was. That was definitely uh, an influence, for sure. Um, and then I would say that my, you know, my my wife is a is a, a hospice social worker among other other things. And just that, you know, that um, line of work gives you a that gives you grounding and what's important in life. So there's mm-hmm. many things that we get wrapped up about, but when you're looking at situations of life. Life and death, which is an experience we all share and will share, um, then that's kind of a great equalizer and lets and gives you some grounding about what's important. Right. Yeah, and definitely offers a perspective, doesn't it? Um, well, you know, uh, getting uh, from the more 
grand and and large scale themes. Let's uh, let's get it a little bit more local here. You, I know your last full time position was with, as the public works director for San Luis Obispo, um, and that's a pretty nice spot to be there on the Central Coast. Um, but when you retired, you came to Nevada County. How did tell us the story behind that move? So there there are two parts to this. One is so about. About so about ten years ago, I was on the American Public Works Association board of directors, and we had meetings uh, in the town where the chairman was the public works director, and 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 at the time, uh, Mike Healy was the public works director of Grass Valley, and we had a mm-hmm. water quality meeting in Grass Valley, and I had never even heard of Grass Valley before, uh, and when. When the meeting was over, we met at Grass Valley City Hall, and when the meeting was over, I walked around downtown and call, called my wife and said, this is, for a small town, this is a great place. Uh, and then we also, a, concur, a few years later, um, friends of ours that we know, longtime friends in, from San Diego, have a cabin off Thoroughbred Loop uh, mm-hmm. that um, they owned, and they they were also in San Diego and said that, well, you guys, if you ever want to stay uh, at our cabin, you, you're welcome to go up to it. So we started from San Luis Obispo coming up maybe once every three to four months. And we came during different times of the year, in the winter, the fall, the spring. Uh, and sometimes we were here for different events like Victorian Christmas or the uh, Wild and Scenic Film Festival. And, you know, mm-hmm. we, to be honest, Brian, were just so impressed with for a rural community to have that much uh, cultural vitality was just really enticing that and the, and the physical beauty. So when we retired, um, we were looking at places where we could uh, relocate. And this was, we had a couple others uh, in Sonoma and Napa County, but we settled here um, primarily for the reasons that I mentioned, you know, the physical beauty Mm -hmm. and all the, all the activities an event and it's you know it's role as a artistic hub as well right right well uh well welcome and glad you're here uh you're listening to the sages among us on kvmr i'm brian buckley and we're talking today with daryl grigsby an author theologian retired public works director and board president of color me human as always, you're invited to join in the conversation. If you have a question or comment for Daryl, please give us a call at KVMR. That's 530-265-9555. Our engineer, Brian McNerney, will take your call and relay your questions or comments to Daryl on the air. We'll take a short break and be back with more in just a few seconds. back to the Sages Among Us. Our guest this evening is Daryl Grigsby, board president of Color Me Human and a lifelong theologian. 
Daryl, before we talk about Color Me Human, it's clear that religion has been a very important component of your life for many years. Can you talk about that and the impact of your faith on your life currently? Well, yeah, thanks for that question. And it's one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, You know, as I mentioned, uh, you know, I uh, became a Christian when I was 17 years old. And I was active in uh, African-American Baptist and independent churches for several years. Um, And then for several reasons, I drifted away from the church and probably wasn't engaged in the church for maybe a decade. Um, But when I was in Seattle, um, I was at a leadership retreat. And one of the things they asked us to do was write down the names of people that influenced us outside our family. And I made my list and it was all people that I had met in church or Bible study. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that's kind of weird. I mean, I don't, this, these are my big influences and I don't go to church. Anyway, that next Sunday, I went to St. Therese Catholic Church in Seattle, which had a gospel choir and was very diverse and inclusive. And in fact, they had a woman uh, who was the pastor of the pastoral life director position. She wasn't the priest, obviously. But anyway, mm-hmm. that church was so uh, inviting and inclusive that I, when I was 44, I made a decision to become Catholic. So I converted um, to Catholicism. And I just, um, I mean, there's just, I just feel, you know, I feel like we overcomplicate Christianity because uh, the basic premise is that in Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth. So God's presence is imbued in all creation. And then the other tenet of Christianity is that, according to John 1, the Word became flesh, so God became a person. So from my perspective, mm-hmm. then every human being is uh, endowed with God's imprint and um, presence. And so those All two right. things, I mean, if with those two um, basic fundamental theological beliefs that all of creation and all of humanity are are bearers of God's image, then that to me is motivation to work for a society and a a community where everybody is respected um, and has the opportunity to grow into their full human potential. Well, that that perfectly leads to my next question. Um, You're currently the board president of Color Me Human. Tell us about that organization and talk to us about the importance of that organization in the community. Well, thank you for uh, uh, bringing that up. You know, Color Me Human is um, is an organization whose mission is to, uh, I don't know if you've seen it on our website, but our mission is to celebrate, elevate, educate, and advocate. That has a nice ring to it. Uh, to create a safe and <laughs> equitable world for black and indigenous people of color and LGBTQ plus folks in, uh, in the world, and particularly in Nevada County. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the Color Me Human mantra and mission is not to exclude anybody, uh, but it, it looks at this particular group of people, black and indigenous and people of color, and LGBTQ plus to say um, there are currently barriers to those groups of people's full uh, 
acceptance and growth in the community. And so really what Color Me Human is about uh, is not to antagonize or divide, but make it make have Nevada County be as welcoming and as accepting of 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 the people that I mentioned as well as everyone else. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we haven't been around that long, uh, but I feel that our our imprint has been fairly significant. You know, we um, hosted, in my mind, the first public uh, large Juneteenth celebration, celebrating uh, Juneteenth, which is really the only official day on our, our country's calendar that acknowledges the end of uh, 300 years of slavery. Um, Mm-hmm. And so we hosted that last year, and we also are conducting training for different organizations around the county, including um, the Nevada County, some Nevada County staff. Um, and then we also participated, along with other organizations, in the um, uh, voting rights rally that was held at, on April 4th um, at the Root Center, where we read from Martin Luther King's 19. 19- 67 speech about uh, looking beyond Vietnam and trying to build a world that was uh, welcoming for everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, re- I remember reading about that in the union. Um, you know, the, the position of board president is, is, you know, key within an organization, in any organization. And what is your vision or your hopes or your goals for the near future with color me human? Well, the one uh, I would say the our one goal right now is to continue uh, with the kinds of programs that we have already been doing. That's first and foremost. And then I would say, secondly, um, you know, we just want to let people know that there is an organization like Color Me Human here so that people can uh, know that there is a place they can come uh, and, and, and there are people who are willing to advocate and educate for full inclusion in, in the community here. Um, because, you know, Brian, what's, what's sad is it doesn't, it doesn't take, I don't, I mean, I believe most people in this country are good people. However, there are instances where individual acts can really paint the picture of what a community is like. I mean, I, for example, I know at least two or three African-Americans who have left here because they were uh, called names on the street. And they said, well, this is not the kind of community I want to live in. And so, you know, mm-hmm. that I don't think, I don't think Nevada County wants to be, I mean, who wants to be part of a place that has a reputation of being intolerant, man? I mean, that's crazy. So, so mm-hmm. in my mind, to me, calling me human is it's not the only organization who cares about that, but I do feel like we want to be among those organizations who try to create a different image uh, of inclusiveness for what it's like to be in Nevada County because it's a beautiful place and no one mm-hmm. race or people has has control over a place just like no one uh, group of people controls the American flag. So I feel like you know to open up this place so that it can be the gift that it is in all its natural beauty and its cultural assets. I mean, that should be available for everyone. 
So that's what that's what I want uh, Color Me Human um, to do. And and more specifically, one thing I do we do want to focus on in the near term is to you know just build more alliances with other like-minded people and organizations so we can do mm-hmm. the kind of work that we want to do. Because we don't have any illusions, you know, that we're going to totally change the world. But I feel like we're all on a – if we can all be on an upward pilgrimage and a trend toward progress, then that's, that's where we mm-hmm. want to be. And if I understand you correctly, the, you know, Color Me Human, uh, one of its main uh, – uh, missions is to create a uh, safe space for, you know, uh, people of color, indigenous, uh, and LGBTQ um, folks. But the organization itself is open to uh, straight white folks too, correct? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Hence the name. That's why we, that's why it was called that. I mean, uh, right. Tracy Pepper Tracy Pepper was the founder of the concept and the idea, and and that that name was deliberately chosen, Killing the Human, because being a human being is what ties us all together, uh, and and that bond is much more pronounced than uh, the other things that we let divide us. Uh, but since we have been divided by those, we're trying to use those as basically avenues to bring us together because we don't want anybody to like lose their identity. I mean, their identity should be celebrated. That's why that word celebrate is in our mission. Um, and so, yeah, that's, you're totally right, man. No, nobody is excluded. Right. Well, you know, talking about that and how uh, nobody is excluded, um, how can we get people included? If someone's interested in helping with the mission of Color Me Human, how can they get involved? So I would say a couple things. We have a, we have a website that's, colormehuman.org, pretty straightforward, and you can uh, sign up for updates through that. And then I would also ask people to keep their eyes and minds out for um, notifications about our second annual Juneteenth event, which we're looking tentatively at having on Monday, June the 20th, the day after Juneteenth, the day of the national holiday, and the day after, I believe, Father's Day. We're going to try to have an event um, in the park, which should be um, a time both of recognition and remembrance, but also uh, celebration and recommitment um, to making our county a better place. It's great already, and it can be better. So those those would be the two things I'd say is to go to our website and then keep their keep on the lookout for. and then I would say also, you know what, here's just one other thing I want to mention, Brian. You know, people don't have to, uh, I mean, as long as people are aware of and are connecting with uh, different people in their community, that, I mean, they can be fulfilling the work of, the, of, of what Color Me Human is all about. I mean, Color Me Human need not be just the organization, but it could be a whole concept that this county um, could live right. by. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're we're coming up. Uh, we're getting close to the end of uh, the show, unfortunately. But I I do want to ask you one more thing. I I know you're an author, and um, I I wanted to ask you: uh, Was there w- one of the books you wrote that was particularly satisfying to write, or one that was particularly challenging, 
Um, you know, wh- where do you get your juice as an author? Well, I would say this. That's a great question. Uh, first of all, in order to write something, and any author knows this, you have to be totally committed and passionate about that subject. Um, and so I, the, the four books I've written, I love all my books. They're all great in my, my mind. But, you know, the one that was the most challenging was the one titled In Their Footsteps. Uh, it's inspirational reflections on black history for every day of the year. So it was the kind of, it was to try to lift black history out of just February 1 through 28 and 29 in the leap year <laughs> and have black history be all, all year long. And so I have a reflection on a different person from January the 1st through December 31st. Um, mm. So that's 365 people that are highlighted. And the point is to highlight their contributions beyond Martin Luther King and the other people that we're more familiar with. Great. Well, Daryl, I want to take time now to thank you so much for being our guest tonight. It's been great uh, hearing just parts of your story. Well, thank you. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate the offer, man. All right.